Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is, Who Do You Love? Now, here's Bill Ahmed. There was a guy whose girlfriend asked him to get rid of his dog. So he placed this ad in Craigslist. It's a true story. It says, My girlfriend is not like my beagle Molly, so I have to rehome her. She's a purebred from a wealthy area. I've had her four years. She likes to play games, not totally trained, has long hair, so she's a little high maintenance, especially the nails. She loves having them done. Stays up all night yapping, but sleeps while I work. Only eats the best and most expensive food. Will never greet you at the door after a long day or give you unconditional love. Does not bite, but she can be as mean as the very hot place. So anyone interested in my 30-year-old, selfish, wicked, gold-digging girlfriend, come and get her. (laughs) Me and my dog want her rehomed as soon as possible. (laughs) Who do you love? The dog or the girl? Maybe the question is, who loves you? The dog or the girl. Who do you love? Turns out to be a popular question. There's two movies with that title, one in 2005, one in 2008. There's about 15 songs I could find with that title. Starting with everybody from Bo Diddley in 1956 to the Sapphires to UFO to George Thorogood and the Destroyers to Whitney Houston, to Chicago, and even Tupac asked that question in a song. Who do you love? At one point in your life, maybe you asked somebody that question. The person you were interested in maybe had multiple love interests, and you say, who do you love? Is it him or is it me? We're picking up our series on worship this week, last week we had the young adults leading. They did an amazing job, amen? Put me out of a job, and that's okay. And the week before that, we talked about our, our worship, and we talked about some of the things that can hinder us in worship. We talked about being prepared for worship. I hope you remember that. If you missed it, check it out online. Next week, we're going to be talking about proper worship. But this week, we're talking about who do you love. We just had Valentine's Day, and maybe... You had to think about this at Valentine's Day. Who do you love? Maybe you didn't have to think about it. You knew it's, it's my spouse, it's my husband, or it's my wife. Maybe you teased your husband or wife and said, hmm, maybe it's time to trade you in on a new model. I don't know. Something we have to think about. Maybe we know the answer. Maybe we don't. But this sermon could have also been titled, What do you love? Because sometimes what we love is not a person, but it might be a thing. It might be status, money, car. Anybody watching the Olympics? Having fun watching the Olympics? Half of us, maybe. 
Some of those people have worked long and hard, and they've trained their whole lives to get to that point. Maybe some of those people worship, you know, getting a gold medal. They've put that first above all else in their lives. I don't know. Maybe it's to be the cutest at school, or the strongest, or the fastest. Maybe it's to have the best Instagram, where you can look just right. We went ice skating a couple weeks ago. Remember this? I went over to the other side of the the ice rink to try and get pictures of you guys as you went by, which turns out to be rather difficult in a dimly lit uh, ice skating rink as you guys are going by on your skates. But there was a young lady there that was posing for pictures. She must have taken 50 pictures of herself with her leg up in the air and the ice skate behind her trying to look just right for her Instagram picture thing was, she could barely get around the rink on the skates. And so, you know, what is it that we worship? And what is it do we put first? Is it having the nicest car? Or the fanciest kitchen with the granite countertops? Maybe sometimes the things we worship are things that could be even good things. I volunteer more at the charity than anybody else. I'm the best animal activist I know. I give more money to charity than anybody else. And we can fool ourselves into thinking, well, it's a good thing. It's okay. See, because we can worship anyone or anything. If you remember back to our first sermon, worship is just giving something ultimate worth in your life. And saying that this is... This is worth more than everything else. So when we sing praises to God, when we worship Him, we are proclaiming that He has ultimate worth. That He has value above gold and silver and jewels and houses and lands. We are testifying that His power exceeds the power of any president or king or dictator that has ever lived. His glory outshines the billions and billions of stars in the universe. When we worship God, we are saying that nothing else compares to Him. That He is above all and everything else pales in comparison. Look at what Scripture tells us in Revelation. Remember we talked about Revelation is about worship. This is Revelation 4 verse 11. It says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. In the next chapter, Revelation 5.12, it says, In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Remember we sang that this morning. That was the bridge of our second song. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. God is worthy of our praise. Because of who He is and because of what He has done. Saying that is worship. That's how we worship. So, if we want to worship God, how do we do that? How do we show our love and worship to God? Three ways. Number one, we will seek out the one that we love. 
See, worship is not just declaring something as having ultimate value and then never going back and talking about it or dealing with that thing again. Right? Some of you guys may relate to this. Your first car. Right? How many of you had like a piece of junk for your first car? I had a 1969 Ford van that was so rusted out, when you sat inside, you could look outside and see the road. I loved that thing, right? Piece of junk, right? Spent hours fixing that thing up. I put so many new parts on it. By the time I was done, it was a 1974. Putting worth on something and spending time with it, seeking it out, going into the junkyard and finding parts that you can take home. Right? There's nothing wrong with fixing up a car, but maybe we can take that too far sometimes. We make the pursuit and the enjoyment of that thing or that person the ultimate goal in our life. Look at what Mark 12.30 says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And when Jesus said that, He was quoting Deuteronomy 6 that we read this morning. Right? Love God with everything you have. That's what worship is. Putting everything into it. Valuing it. Matthew 13, Jesus tells the story. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Chasing after it with everything. All in, baby. All in. Right? That's what it means to worship God. Now, we are going to worship something. God has made us with a need to worship. And we will worship something. If it's not God, it will be something else, intentional or not. See, it's not a matter of whether we will worship, but what we will worship. Because God has put a need in us to find something to make number one. Some of us find ourselves and we worship self and we make us number one. Some of us find a hobby or a thing to do. We will find something to worship. The question is, what will it be? Paul in Romans 1 says the following, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and foolish. 
became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Listen to this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Now we live in a very secular society, and most of us don't have neighbors that have a little statue of Buddha or Shiva or Zeus on the mantle that we physically bow down and worship. But we will find something to worship, even if it's not an idol on our fireplace mantle. Our society, we tend to worship a lot of things. Success, money, health and fitness, maybe safety and security, recreation. We find all these things that we worship. We organize our lives around them. See, because by nature, we are worshipers of us. And I want everything to be good for me. And hey, if it's good for you guys too, well, that's nice. But it's primarily about me. And we have an urge to make ourselves the little God in the center of the universe. And so this morning, my goal is not to try and get you to worship because you are worshiping something. The question is, what is it? I have a little question for us I want us to think about. Just like 10 seconds. Who or what are you seeking? What do you seek above everything else? Something we ought to think about and reflect on. Number two, we give to the one we love. How do we show our worship and our love? We give to the one we love. Some of us gave gifts last week on Valentine's Day to the one we love, right? And guys, if you didn't, you're in the doghouse, right? Look at what, again, um, Romans says, chapter 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Paul's telling us again, Offer everything we have, our hearts, our minds, everything we say, everything we do. That can be a part of worship, just as much as the singing. So how do we worship when we're sitting here listening to a sermon? Maybe we feel like, I I don't worship when I'm just sitting here listening to some preacher blab on. When you are listening, when you are actively thinking about the things that are happening, when you're reflecting on it, when you're taking notes, that's an act of worship. Just as much as singing, 
clapping and raising your hands or whatever you want to do when you sing. Just as much as it's an act of worship when you put some offering in the offering basket or when you're listening to the person praying. Some of us worship by serving. We come early and set up or we stay late and clean up. The people that wash the dishes after potluck are worshiping. It doesn't feel like it sometimes when you're all alone in the kitchen washing the dishes and everybody else is left. But that can be an act of worship as much as anything else. We worship because we are showing God how much we care. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 7. I don't have this on the screen because it's too long of what I want to read this morning. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're turn to verse 36 and start there. I have no idea what page that is in the Bible. I'm going to guess. 1236. No chance that that's right. 800? Wasn't even close. 838. Okay. Luke chapter 7, page 838. We're going to read through this quick. Most of us probably are familiar with this story. Starting at verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owned money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Remember, a denarii is a day's wage. Denarius is a day's wage. So 500 denarii would be 500 working days. Take your salary and multiply it by two. That's how much he owed. Okay? Neither of them had the money to pay it back. So he gave the debts, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, Why, suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The woman in this story is Mary, brother of Lazarus. 
that Jesus will eventually become close friends with this family. But in this story, she is just mentioned as a sinful woman. We can imagine what that means. And she is the one that comes and worships at Jesus' feet, figuratively and literally. And I don't know exactly what was going through her head, but I think she was just so anxious to be with Jesus and so desperate for what He offered her that she just grabbed something off the dresser and ran over there. She didn't know what she was going to do. She didn't know what was going to happen. She just knew she had to be there. And she shows up and she doesn't know what to do, so she starts washing Jesus' feet. She didn't have a towel because she didn't think that far in advance. The need to be there at Jesus' feet and worship drove her beyond everything else. And the worship that she does and and washes Jesus' feet with her tears and, and pours the perfume on it, her great love drives her to this act. It's not because, oh, well, you know, it's 11 o'clock Saturday morning, better get to church. That's not worship. It's the great love that drives worship. I don't know if you guys have ever watched some of the videos on the Internet called Hope for Paws. It's about a rescue place here in L.A. that they find dogs that have been abandoned on the streets and rescue them. And when they go rescue these dogs, inevitably the dogs are scared. They're trying to get away. They're running. They're yapping. They're just worried that somebody else is going to abuse them and kick them or whatever. And they've got those sticks with the ropes on them, you know, and they try and get the dogs. And the dog's fighting, trying to get away. And every single time, the instant that they touch the dog and pet the dog, and the dog realizes this person is not here to hurt me, but here to help me. Their attitude changes instantaneously. Because they realize that this person is here to love them, and to care for them, and to help them, not to hurt them. We are the same way. And sometimes we view God as somebody who's waiting to put His thumb on us and squash us for what we've done. And when we come to the realization that what God wants to do is put some love on you and put some mercy on you and to forgive you, your attitude changes instantaneously. Instantaneously. How great to have a God who just wants to love us and wants to restore us and wants to make us whole. Where are you laying your gifts? The altar of fame and fortune or at Jesus' feet? Last one, number three. I know we're running late, sorry. Number three, we spend time with the one we love. We spend time with the one we love. Getting ready for a date. Anybody remember going to the prom or homecoming? We get ready. 
We take some time. We've got to pick the right dress. We've got to find the right suit or the right tux. How long do we spend standing in front of the mirror combing our hair? I've watched people comb their hair for 20 minutes and it looks the same when they get done. It's when they started. We spend a long time getting ready so we smell good and we look good and we feel good. We're going to have a good time. That's okay. How long do we spend getting ready for a wedding? Months. Years sometimes. Getting ready. Everything's got to be just right. We spend time with the one we love. Remember the story in Matthew 25 about the ten virgins that go to the wedding. The bridegroom is late. Five of them run out of oil, but five of them were prepared and had extra oil. Get to go into the party. Because they were prepared. They were ready to spend time with the one we love. We talked about that a lot last week. Being prepared is important. But it's not just being prepared. It's the actual time that we spend together. It's a little bit like group dates when you were young. Maybe you went on group dates, right? When you first start dating, your mom and dad don't want you going out by yourself. So a group of friends get together and you go miniature golfing or something, right? You guys are looking at me like, what's he talking about? (laughs) Nobody ever went on group dates? All right, all right. Now the truth comes out, yeah, okay? It's okay. It's a good way to get started. It's a good way to kind of, you know, figure out what's going on. But if that relationship is going to develop and grow, at some point you need some alone time. You need to, you know, you graduate from the group dates to solo dates and spend time with this person and, and get to know this person more and more and more. And this is what Jesus shows us in the Bible. In Matthew 14, It said, after he had dismissed them, being the crowds and the disciples, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Now, remember, Jesus is who? God. And Jesus is God, and he's going to pray to who? To God. Jesus is God, and He feels the need to go and spend time alone with the Father. How long has Jesus been with the Father? Forever. You'd think He'd know everything. It is important for us to spend time with God. The guy who spent forever with the Father said, I need to find time to spend time with God. If He needs to do it, how much more do we need to do it? We need to find time. We need to find and make the time to spend with God. It's the model He gave us. Psalms 91. We sang this song this morning. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If we stop looking at this as something we have to do, 
or something that's going to interrupt our plans for something else. And we start preparing our hearts to spend time with God. It will absolutely change your life. So the last question I have for you is where are you spending your time? Think about this past week. Where did you spend your time? Did you have time at night to talk to God? Or did we spend it with our favorite late night talk show host? If I asked every person here today, who do you love? We'd probably all say God or Jesus, because we know that's the right answer when we're in church. I doubt any one of us would say, I love money more than God. I love my BMW more than God. I love being the most popular kid at school more than God. But sometimes our actions don't match our words. And we think one thing, but our heart longs for something else. Who or what are you seeking? What are you giving to? Where are you spending your time? If we answer those truthfully, we know exactly what we will worship. I'm going to be a little blunt here. Forgive me. If you washed your car this week, not take it to the car wash, but you sat down and washed your car, chances are you spent more time on your car this week than you did with God. Probably most of us spent more time on our phone than we did with God. Probably most of us spent more time watching TV than we did with God. How did we let ourselves get to that place? And it's not just about the time. Because I spend more time sleeping than I do with God. But you need to sleep. I spend more time at work than I do with God. But we need to work. So it's not just, you know, clock in and how much time did we spend. But if we had time to watch TV, if we had time to watch the car, if we had time to check Facebook, how did we not have time to check in with God? I know it's a little bit heavy, and I'm not known for the heavy sermons. I like the, the lighter stuff. But this is important. This is important. What are you going to do in heaven for eternity? Spend time with God. How do you know you want to do that if you haven't checked it out here on earth first? We need to find the time to spend time with God. Because we don't mean to. There's any single one of us that got up this morning and said, you know what, I'm going to spend more time doing something else than I am with God today. That didn't go through a single one of our person's heads here this morning. But sometimes that's what happens anyway.
And we need to be careful. We need to think about what we are doing and where we are spending our time. The Psalms are the hymn book of ancient Israel, and they are full of examples of worship and praise to God. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. I want you to read Psalms 148 this week. Write that down in your bulletin, Psalms 148. It's only 13 verses. Okay? So you only got to read like two verses a day. You'll manage it the whole week. Okay? 13 verses. It's a great example of how to worship God and what it means to worship God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be the people that worship You and put You first in our lives, Lord, every single day. Not just on Sabbath, but all week long, Lord. Help us to be diligent enough to find the time to spend with You. To make time in our schedule, Lord, for the most important thing. Time with You. Lord, we didn't mean to not put You first in our lives, but sometimes it just happens. We're sorry, Lord. We don't want to do that anymore. Help us make sure You are the primary thing in our lives. You are the thing that has ultimate worth, ultimate value. And then everything else is distant behind that, Lord. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.